You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay. And you can hear me good. I can no. hear you great. Perfect. Okay. And as always, we start with a quote. Well, actually, not always. I've been like editing the past few um, episodes, and I'm just like, forgot to do a quote. Well, forgot to do a quote there. But, you know, whatever. We're always in an out-of-town tryout. Anyway, I, uh, I think that bit we're going to bring back the quote. This quote, I think, is perfect for today's guest because um i think this person who i'm quoting is a if i'm not mistaken a huge part of their identity and a huge part of their artistic inspiration but the quote is as follows the worst part of success is trying to find someone who is happy for you and why i chose that is because of the way i discovered this artist was not only did this artist make me happy when i watched their videos but it reminded me of and this and a story that I, I want to share on how we are uh, collaborating together in the month of October is that finding community and a group of supportive artists is important, and that your group of people is out there. And I am proud to say that I am my guests. I am one of my guests people even though we've never met in person this actually is the first conversation we're having together and i'm so excited to welcome jenica mccleary how are you i'm wonderful how are you i hope you liked that quote what does it mean to you i love that quote i love that quote and you know what a beautiful time for it to um show up for me for me it means that uh it's it actually takes me back to a book I'm listening to right now, which is the um, the subtle art of not giving a. I don't know if you curse on your show. Curse so away, I, baby. The subtle art of not giving a fuck. Yeah, um, there she is. And <laughs> good because it's how I express myself. Um, and it's it's not about not caring about anything, but it's about deciding what you're going to give your fucks about and knowing that there will be adversity. So I'm choosing to put myself in this line of work because I accept those terms and I'm willing to deal with the adversity in that field, in that area. So, um, you know, I absolutely agree. It is sometimes hard to, maybe not hard to find people that are happy for you sometimes so much as it is um, easy to find people that uh, are not happy for Mm. you or Mm. wish that 
things weren't going so well for you. Um, and I'm sure that comes back to they need to find their own happiness. Uh, but I always thought that was a very interesting quote of hers. And, and as time has gone on, as I have delved deeper into the world of self-producing and being a self-made independent artist, I find how true that is and where the layers of that uh, may have come from for her. I, uh, I'm in my head now all of a sudden, and I'm wondering if I even said who said this quote, and it's Bette Midler. So. It's Bette Midler. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. I don't think you did. We just assumed and assumed everyone would go with us on that. It's Bette Midler. It's Bette Midler. It's Bette Midler. <laughs> that's, that's who We're it is. We're going to talk about Bette Midler today. Now, do you, okay, so I've met Bette twice, okay. and um, I, uh, I photographed her once. So she actually, <gasps> the, the first time that I met her, was backstage of Hello Dolly. I was told that she never comes off stage left, but we had a, I had a friend in the ensemble and I brought the women in my family, my mom, my grandma, and my Aunt Lizzie, and we're a huge Bet family, huge Bet family. And um, we're off left. My aunt runs onto the stage uh, to collect the flowers that are thrown uh, at curtain call, and she okay. starts, and just as true Aunt Lizzie Jewish aunt fashion, she starts she starts putting them in a bra. Ah! <laughs> That's what she's doing on stage. No right. one's kicking her off. No stagehands are like, "Ma'am, you can't do that." Like she's just like taking them. Oh my god! Todrick Hall is backstage as well, and we are uh, all sort of conversing. Jess Prado, who is my friend in the show, is is backstage, and we're talking, and then all of a sudden, there's like this hush. And I, the whole night, I was like, I am not surprising you, family. I'm not. She does not come backstage. She takes guests into her dressing room. I am not surprising you. You will not meet her tonight. That's not me, like, setting this up. Like, this is not happening. I look to my left, who's backstage with us, but Bette Midler. <laughs> and I was like, this, I was like, this isn't planned. So we're all like, oh, fucker, this is crazy. Lizzie comes. <laughs> we're like, Lizzie. And so Lizzie comes off stage and she's like, what? And she sees, starts sobbing immediately. Oh. And like, bet like wanted photo approval from Todrick. And uh, she goes, let me see the picture. And she turns us to us and goes, you just got to get photo approval. And we all like, uh-huh. Um, so that was the first time. And then she came to see a show, Jen Samard's show at the Green Room 42. And they were both in Hello, Dolly. And uh, afterwards, we did a photo op, and I was changing my light, my, my, my strobe, my, my flash for the photo, and she kind of yelled at me and went, hurry up. And <laughs> all I could do was yell back at her, and I literally was like, I am, relax. <laughs> and because I don't Meet want- Meet her on her level. <laughs> I, exactly. And I don't want Bette Midler to be nice to me. I just, you know, she's, I want, I want- I want the bathhouse, you know, the bathhouse Bette Midler. I, I, that's what I'm expecting anyway. And so I didn't feel attacked or I didn't feel like it was mean. I just felt it was my grandma sort of telling me to hurry up. My aunt telling me to hurry up. I don't know. I'm, uh, that was- She was ribbon yet. Totally. Exactly. Have you, have you ever been able to interact with her? Have you heard from her? Have you- I have. Um, so over the years, I, I had been informed that, uh, and this was after I met her, um, 
but so I'll come back to that. But uh, I had been informed by Don Bradshaw, who runs Bootleg Betty and is good friends with her. And he said, she knows who you are. <laughs> and, you know, this was years ago. I've been doing the tribute to Bet uh, going on 12 years now, which is wild. And I, I was just, oh my gosh, she knows who I am. So when I met her, she had just released the Peggy Lee songbook album. Yeah. I was living in New York at the time. This is when the Virgin Records store was still in, in Greenwich Village. Oh, in Greenwich right. Village. Okay, sure. So uh, you had to get in line that morning and buy the album and then get a wristband and come back that night. By the time we come back that night, it's sleeting. Not raining, not snowing, sleeting. We're freezing. Uh, and the woman who was managing me at the time, all I had done as Bet was sing as a surprise at someone's surprise birthday party. As Bet, I sang stuff like that there and the rose and had like an Air Force jacket and a terrible wig, right? And uh, they were just like, you need to do this. People kept trying to get me to do this. They wanted me to see what they were seeing. And I want to be an actress. I want to be in theater. I don't want to pretend to be someone else, she said. So uh, I took with me at everyone's beckon the photo that we had gotten of myself. We'd staged some photos and it looked like her from say Divine Madness, mm -hmm. right around Divine Madness. And I took this picture with me and you had to like fill out little post-it notes of what you wanted her to sign. Um, I took a page that had fallen out of my copy of A View From Abroad and it's the quote that ends with, fuck them if they can't take a joke. Uh, and how. And how. My mother had just passed away very unexpectedly. Sarcasm was driving my life. Uh, and I'm about to meet this woman that I think I'm going to start earning money off of the work of. So <laughs> this was all really strange and awkward. And, and I took this picture with me and uh, the store manager actually said, have you been through this line already? And, and I said, no, I, I still have my wristband. And he says, well, you just look really familiar. I mean, man, Michael, I was like, quit drilling, you hit oil. So I slip this photo kind of in front of her and say, well, people tell me I look like someone else. And she just glances at it and keeps signing, right? She's doing her gig. And this whole conversation starts behind her of, oh, this is you, this is you. And she glances at it and goes, huh, I thought that was me. And that's all I needed. <laughs> I was like, okay. And she said, so are you making money off of this? And I said, I just started. This is the only thing I'm doing. I, and then she said, do you sing? And, and I said, I do sing. And I got all singer on her. And I said, my timbre's not the same. And I'm trying to work on my placement. So I sound like you. And she waves me off and says, the most brilliant Jewish business solo artist, female solo artist thing she could have said to me. And she says, honey, if you sing, you'll make money. Good luck. And that was it. And I walked outside and I called my manager. I still get chills. And I was like, okay, I'll do this. Um, but it was important to me to get it right. You know, it wasn't just slapping on a wig and grabbing a track to win beneath my wings. There was so much there. And that's why I drug my feet on it for so long was, man, you got to get her right. And you got to be comfortable on stage in any situation. Uh, she's very bombastic. She's ostentatious. She's all these things that people thought they saw I was capable of doing. But getting literally the blessing <laughs> from that, I was like, okay, I've been, I've been anointed. So let's go for this. Um, and then, yeah, like I, I went to her Halloween party a couple years ago. Um, at the time, I, 
I was just very emotional. It was while I was still going through chemo and I couldn't bring myself to approach her. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't do it. I have no idea why. And uh, Frankie Grande, Ariana Grande's brother was yelling at me about it. And I was like, I, I just, I don't even know what to say. And uh, there's so many times when I've told people, I, I don't know what to say to her. How do you say to someone, thank you for letting me pretend to be you and pretend to have your money. Thank you for never serving me with a cease and desist. These are all lines from shows that I put into her, uh, to the cabarets that I do. Um, but it's, it's really incredible to have had those couple of moments of interaction with her because what people see on stage versus who she is is so different, you know, but she knows how to turn it on and give it to people. I love that you had that moment with her of, of just random, I'm switching out my camera light and <laughs> it's just ribbing you just after show. That's so great. What do you say to someone that has changed her life and completely inspired you? There's not, you can't really say it. And I think it's about action, right? And I think what you are doing is enough because if someone was to, when I hit Bette Midler's age and someone takes the time to study me and base acts off of me and who I am and my humor, that action is the word, is the, is the thing, is the is the thank you. You know what I mean? Because that means she hasn't made enough of an impact. Because there are, you know, I think um, uh, Patty, when, (laughs) I don't think Patty very much enjoyed when Kritzer did Les Mouches. Because I'm pretty sure Ben, what's the story? Ben Rimmelauer directed Leslie Kritzer as Patty Lapone at Les Mouches. And I don't think it really ever happened because it didn't happen. And so it's hard to tell when people uh, appreciate it and when, you know, and how they take it. And I'm so glad that Bette gave you her, her blessing because we as an audience have been blessed. Now I, so, so let's, let's start at the very beginning. So basically um, 2016, maybe, I see on Facebook this viral video of a Winnie Sanderson at Disney World. And my gay ass freaked out because (laughs) as a visual person and someone that is like obsessed with like off-broad, like golden age, off-Broadway, upstairs at the downstairs, Madeline Kahn, Lily Tomlin, Mel Brooks, that vibe. I, I pride myself in having an attention to detail to comedy and nuance um, something that I think we lack in today's creation. Um, but that's a whole other episode. Um, right. And when this video went viral, I literally said to myself, I said, how much do they pay Bet to do this? <laughs> Knowing that they didn't get Bet Midler to do this. And I truthfully was, I've never seen anyone get her. And on top of that, Winnie Sanderson, someone that my friends and I have been imitating since 1993. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and I, I'm getting the chills thinking about it, but your performance stopped me dead in my tracks. And I said to myself, she's genius. Whoever this is, is genius. And I never get that sense from people on YouTube, but you stopped me dead in my tracks. And I remember going, I must 
know who this is. And I added you on social media and I found you and we sort of stayed in each other's radar ever since then. But um, now we're finally figuring out a way that we can work with each other. But before we get into that, I want to know, like, my screen name was JafarFan91, right? Okay. How did this happen with Disney where all of a sudden you're performing on the very stage that I grew up watching Cinderella's surprise celebration and like dreaming of the day that I would work with Jonathan Freeman as Jafar, you know what I mean? Like, and now you're on that stage that has not only inspired me, but like millions of other people to have specific careers. And now you are doing that. What was that like? How did it happen? I want to know everything. I am happy to tell you <laughs> the magic. The magic. Um, so I have always known I was not a Disney princess type, right? Uh, when I eventually made the move down here to Orlando, which was from Vegas at the time where I was living, because if you're going to be an impersonator, go to Vegas, figure it out. <laughs> and uh, I had auditioned for Disney. I had auditioned for Finding Nemo and all these things that I was right for. Uh, I never ever would have pictured myself on that castle stage though of course naturally that's what everybody dreams of everybody wants that opportunity um and i just kind of got to the point where i was like i just don't think i'm right for anything at disney and i get it like my my resume reads like a who's who among american musical theater prostitutes so i'm not your peach i'm not your dory like i'm really probably not maybe dolly over at hoop to do maybe um but so i was just not a disney type and and that's cool um, as it happened, uh, I was in Branson working as vet with Legends in Concert. And if I remember this correctly, um, somebody let it slip during a morning meeting at one of the shows, and it might have been Nemo. I don't remember, but somebody let it slip that some folks were not going to be around because they were going to be doing the workshop. They were going to be in house working on what Hocus Pocus Valence Beltacular would eventually become. So this news accidentally got leaked and my phone blew up. Where are you? When are you going to be back in Orlando? Are you able to get to New York if there's all this stuff? And I'm like, everybody slow down. What's happening? They're going to be doing a Hocus Pocus show. That's all we know. And okay, cool. So um, I didn't know anything for a long time and just knew that I was going to keep scouring and make sure if there was an audition that was outside of uh, cast members already working for the company that I was there, no matter where it was or what it took. Um, so they made the announcement about the show. They eventually made the announcement about auditions. As it happens, the night before that audition, Bette was doing her very last performance of Divine Intervention in Brooklyn. Mm. I bought a ticket. Now I have to be back in Orlando and realistically like there and in line at 7 a.m. So I just gave my ticket away, never got to see that concert, still butthurt about it, um, but went to the audition for Hocus Pocus. And like people were outside the door listening to me in my group. Wow. Yeah, everybody just wanted to see what happened. And, and I mean, even people that are colleagues that I don't necessarily 
uh, get along with outside of work uh, were coming up to me and saying, if you don't get this role, like we're going to burn the kingdom to the ground. This is ridiculous. Like you, <laughs> you are this person. The house is going down. <laughs> it's all going down, right. Uh, but no, people were extremely uh, supportive. And I, I will always remember the look on the casting director's face as he kind of blindly reached for a callback card. And I sang Trouble from Smokey Joe's Cafe as Winnie. That was what I decided to do because I could speak it a bit and show that I had her voice, but then also show that I can sing. I can do this. I can, I can do the song you need me to do. Um, and then I had a call back later that day. Uh, so I had time to go home and go over everything. And uh, me being me, watch the movie again, just to get it back in, in my blood. I had already been portraying the character on my own for a year. Um, had the costume made, went to a bunch of contests, did a bunch of birthday parties, you know, that kind of thing. So I finally had her uh, in a good spot. I was in a good spot with her. Um, and people had tried to talk me into doing Winifred for years and I kept saying no, which we can talk about more later, but I had my reasons. Um, so callback goes great. I've never had as great of an audition and callback as I did that day. Just no doubt in me that no matter what happened, regardless of what direction they ended up going, I knew that I had left it all out there. Um, and did photos in the wig. They painted me up a little bit, um, sent everything to Anaheim and, mm. you know, everyone's shaking your hand at the end of the day. Thank you for coming. And then you just wait, you just wait. And, um, I knew the day I was going to get the call. I got this little sign from my mom and I had said to my friend, I'm absolutely going to hear from Disney today. And uh, sure enough, they, they called me that afternoon and, and offered me the role of Winifred. So what some friends like to remind me of all the time is no one can take away from me that I was the first person after Bet to ever be tapped yeah. to play that role. Right. And that's pretty insane and wonderful. I mean, I, I'm beyond grateful for that experience. I am sure Broadway is great but 23,000 people ain't so bad either. And it was, it still gives me chills. It I was incredible. I just got the chills hearing you, hearing you say that. And that's the thing, like, I think there are certain things that, yeah, Broadway is amazing. I love being in New York, but there are certain things that are important in this industry and elsewhere, like being trusted by Disney to yeah. do one of the hardest roles ever yeah for a myriad of reasons the first literally trusting you 25 years later that's how long it took to find someone to do it and you were that person you were the one on that stage that everyone has come and watched and and seen and been like wow dreams do come true the reason why I love Disney is, and, and it's interesting because I, I have, I'm recording right now in my, in my studio and I have a lot of, um, there's no wrong answer when shooting headshots with me in my, in my studio for the direction that you want your career to go into. You just have to have an answer. Right. Um, so I have a lot of people that are like Broadway or bus. I have a lot of people that are like, I want a Disney cruise tomorrow. And so I then shape the shoot to get you the appointment for that Disney cruise. Right. Um, so 
for me, I still have fantasies of me being Maleficent in Phantasmic and and writing that Elphaba style cherry picker. You know what I mean? But also like 2000 me, 2003 me, like I'm off book for Cinderella's surprise celebration, which was the castle show. In yes. 03, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, Jonathan Freeman, Zim, Zam, Salaboo, and then oh. mirror, mirror on my hair, my hair. You know, I love that. <laughs> like, a book. But like, and now, so you get, you are the one that is creating that fantasy for so many others. And so when I saw that, when I saw you creating that fantasy and telling a story, I was like, I got to find out a way to work with you. And I'm a strong believer in putting it out into the universe and telling the universe exactly what you want and and exactly what you need and here we are in 2021 now i'm the director of programming at green room 42 broadway's off not off night hotspot for cabaret concert uh performance and you were one of the first people where i was like halloween's coming up i know exactly who i want i and now how do we how do we get them here and so I reached out to you and was like, I want you to do Winnie's Rock Cauldron Cabaret in my space. This is what I can promise you. This is what I can negotiate with you. And th- these are their boundaries. But how do we get you here? So I am so happy to say that you're going to be here in New York City doing a 7 p.m. and a 9.30 p.m. show on October 31st doing your Winnie here in New York City. And I'm so excited about it. I'm beside myself excited about it. And we were able to play a club coming in New York City year one, um, which we should definitely talk about because I've never been quite so sick in my life. Uh, But that was mid-treatment as well. And I learned a lot about myself that day. Um, So I've been really like jonesing to get this version of the show back there. Now, to be fair, when I worked on Fire Island last summer, we did do a drag Mary and drag Sarah, uh, Davida Jones as Mary and Boudoir Lafleur as Sarah Sanderson. We changed the key on some things. I was Winifred. They did a couple of drag numbers. I, I, it, w- it was great. We had a really great time. We did that at Cherries on the Bay for one night. Um, and we ended up adding a second show. So that was really, really fun. I'm so sorry um, I missed you because I, I, I was, did a share with, with some friends last summer. So I, it must've been a, when you- Now, were you I, in the Pines or were you in the Grove? I was, uh, my house was 12 Ocean. So I was in the Pines. You were in the Pines. But I could have just walked. You, know, you absolutely could have walked right through that meat rack and come over to us. Wait, what summer? This past summer or last summer? Last summer, oh, not this yeah, year. Sorry, I forget. We're, oh, it's no, October. I know, I know, but it's warm. <laughs> it's warm yeah. though, which is wild. Yes, this was this was during the dark times. The sure, dark sure, times. sure, 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 sure. So, okay, so you learned a lot about yourself that day. Um, now, I do, you know, I usually ask at the beginning of of an episode, but we're, I'll ask you about it now. But I want to know, you, Jenica, what would you say your hyphens are as a multi-hyphenate? Whew! You know, first of all, let me just say thank you for coining the term multi-hyphenate artist, because for years, (laughs) I was referring to myself as like a Swiss army knife of talent because I just didn't know what else to say. And it sounded, it felt a little egotistical to say such a thing. Right, because I was just like, gosh, I I do so many things. I was fortunate enough to um, be brought up in a world where I had an opportunity to learn a lot. 
along the way at a very young age. So yeah, triple threat, singer, dancer, actor, you know, begged the parents for dance lessons as a, as a young little wee thing. Um, and eventually parents took me to Cleveland to see a, a Phantom of the Opera and that was it. The overture started and I told my mom, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And I made the merge into theater. Um, and then from there, I quickly became a dance instructor and a choreographer and was working professionally at 16 and just never looked back. Um, but I was also never afraid to go where I wanted to go. So I've lived in Pittsburgh and New York multiple times. I've lived in Vegas. I've lived in LA. I am now in Orlando. Who knows where I might end up next? I can't say for sure. Um, but adapt or die, right? So as you end up in these locations, I was just always excited to learn a new skill. So I don't think I want to do it anymore, but uh, I do know how to stilt walk. Uh, once upon a time, I was a fire eater. I still perform with fire, but I don't put it in my mouth anymore. Um, and <laughs> your face is... <laughs> also, how many times have I said I don't put it in my mouth anymore? I don't put it in my mouth anymore, man. I'm sorry. That's just... <laughs> that is a universal <laughs> statement. It is. I need that on a t-shirt. But you did... I know, right? But um, you use fire as Winnie in the show. Don't you? I do. Yes. Yes. Not a I, no, you won't. No, yes. I was going to say, I haven't asked you about that yet, but I was kind of assuming it was a no. <laughs> yeah. Literally, you have curtains surrounding the entire space. So we <laughs> I get it. I get it. I've been in some low ceiling situations and made people real nervous and haven't meant to. Um, it's just flash paper and club moss, but uh, yeah, it can, it can look, oh, we can talk about this. It's club, very club moss. Club moss. So it's ground up moss. Um, sometimes bartenders will use it to make like specialty cocktails because you can light it on fire on top of the drink and it's wow. edible. Yeah. So uh, and it doesn't get hot enough to burn you. I, that's not to say I don't feel the heat from it, but it's it's not going to get you. It's that's, not going to. You're get you. so cool. <laughs> Thanks. That's wild. Um, gosh, what other little random things do I do? Well, then of course, bet, you know, bet came along and, uh, one of the skills that I'm really just recently learning to own as a skill is being able to mimic. Mm. It's not something that everyone could, I guess I just kind of always assumed because I did voices and did little mm -hmm. things and, you know, could turn it on. I, I just got asked to, uh, to put together a Moira act for a Schitt's Creek event. Mm -hmm. um, that's going to be a challenge getting that voice down. But being hard. a mimic is, it is hard. Being, and, and being a mimic is hard uh, because there's expectations that people have. There's expectations that people have with Beth. There's expectations that people have with Winifred. Uh, and, and you've got to find the way to make who you are and who you are as a performer work in that while still giving them those nuances that they want. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'll add mimic to the list. I hope to someday add voice actor to the mix of multi-hyphenate things I do. Um, okay. Let me think. Are there any other like random skills I'm forgetting? Probably. Oh, burlesque. Oh my gosh. I'm a burlesque performer now. Yeah. There's some, Michael. <laughs> I'm going to forget them all. It's it, No, I love that. And it's amazing because I think to me, it's also so clear how, because yes, a, you can do a lot of things, right? I think many of us can do many things. I think what makes us multi-hyphenates is the fact that our hyphens, they tie into each other and they inform the other. That's what a multi-hyphenate is. And I think you are so clearly tying in all of your hyphens to make it one Jenica McCleary experience. Thank you. And I think it's like tied up with a pretty fucking bow and I love it.
Oh, thank you. I try. I try. I try. And yeah, I mean, we even work burlesque into uh, Winnie's Rock Cauldron, which I also need to ask you about. <laughs> yeah, we just can't do nudity. Oh, that's completely fine. That's completely fine. I'm not that gal. I'm not against anyone doing it. Live your life. It's just, it's not for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, if, if we, uh, we risk nudity, then we risk our liquor license. So. Oh, I see. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. You can't do. Nudity no, I'm pasties and, and fishnets and all that good stuff. But you can, as I tell people, now you're seeing your tax dollars hard at work from my double mastectomy. <laughs> Thanks. I do, so I do, I have a few questions about that, but I do have an interesting question. Has Disney ever like questioned you when you add the burlesque to Winnie Sanderson and they're like, we don't, have they ever reached out to you? I was terrified, right? And uh, the, w the way that it kind of all played out was uh, 2015 was the first year we did the show. Uh, 26, and, and right around that time, I had also decided to jump into burlesque. I kind of got the nod of approval from the person I wanted it from and, and Sally Forth. Now I had also gotten my equity card from that gig at Disney. So in 2016, I was in New York finding out what it was like to set an appointment and go back home and do my makeup and warm <laughs> up my voice before a call. Um, so I was there when I decided to put two and two together and build a Winnie burlesque number. Mm -hmm. um, and also trying to show some of these clubs like, hey, I can do both, but let me show you all at once. Uh, and, and so the, the, Winnie, the Winnie burlesque became a thing. Mm -hmm. And following year, I'm back at Disney and uh, our wonderful director, Denise Case, had asked me about it. She's like, so I know you're doing this. And I'm like, yeah, I, I just like, I'm really quiet about it. My, my burlesque name at the time was Patio Chair, which no one got the joke. Oh. I know. It's so genius, right? Oh, Patio Chair. Come That's, on. She's an Irish, outdoor Irish girl. She sure is. She sure is. And no one got the joke. So now it's Jenna Catastrophe, which is far more appropriate, but that's fine. Uh, but I was, I was like trying to keep the two worlds super separate and I didn't want to get in trouble. I was worried about performing as Winifred on my own. And were they going to have an issue with that? And at the end of the day, it was just all like, nah, girl, go do your thing. Go make your money. You're not wearing our costume. You're not, you know, using our photos. And even a couple of times when early on I was using photos that had been taken to me on that stage. People were very supportive mm -hmm. and um, I, I'm really grateful for that. You know, they were very go do your thing. And that's wonderful because Winnie's Rock Cauldron Cabaret really happened because of the Magic Kingdom show, because of working with companies like Patty Cake Productions and realizing I can do anything with these three ladies. People want it. Mm -hmm. take a chance on yourself and and go for it but yeah i've been i've been super fortunate that that everybody was just kind of like good luck <laughs> when so tell, i'm obsessed with that um tying it back to when you had that audition yeah uh because i think the most important what i try to tell all my clients is like show up to the auditions that when you see it in a breakdown you are like that's a hundred percent me that way right. you can walk in and give it to your all. No questions asked. No one is, no, as an actor, no one is saying you have to go to every audition. Somehow 
that was trickled down out of the BFA program or the BA program or the MFA program where it was like, yeah. here, here are the tools for everything. Now go to every audition and see what happens. And it's like, no, go to the auditions that you know that you're going to nail so that you could just mic drop and leave. And, and leave. It's in the fates. It's in Vespas's, you know, uh, hands. Right. And um, what do you have to say about that experience where you were like, I know that when I show up to this, that I am going to nail this. And what does that what does that say about the audition? And and then you book it. What does that say about how we should approach auditions as a as a community? Having that agency and taking that initiative and going, I have. I have the agency to say yes and no to whatever audition I want to go. I want to know your thoughts about that. I agree. And uh, I, I did, I do have formal training. I did do some college, but when I ran out of scholarship money, I decided to do what I really wanted to be doing. And that was pounding the pavement. Where did you go? Where were you going? I was at Kent State Stark Branch, which is right by me. Uh, and then year two, I transferred to Malone College uh, and was made fun of a lot because they had just started doing online classes, which were unheard of. Uh, and no one could understand how I was educating myself and still teaching and still doing, sh well, this is why. And now it's, you know, what everybody goes to. Um, and at the time I was Miss Cincinnati and was able to like do lots of promo for them and stuff. But um, yeah, my, uh, I was like kind of a guinea pig for online education right. through the college um, of through Malone College back in Ohio. Um, and I was kind of raised with the idea of audition as much as you can in New York because the opportunity is there in ways that it is not in other cities. Um, and again, I mean, we're talking, I'm gonna be 41 people. So this was a really long time ago. Google and YouTube didn't exist. Um, video auditions were unheard of. You had to send a VHS tape maybe. But um, I, I was definitely encouraged to know your type know your type because every audition is not going to be right for you. Uh, and the older I get, I, I mean, I really feel like you hit it, hit the nail on the head already in saying that you go to the ones where you say that is me. And I know that I'm going to leave it because yeah, there has become this uh, really toxic culture of, okay, I can be at this one at nine 15. And then if they do a type out, then I can get to this one by 11 and so on and so forth. Uh, and I think it's really detrimental to our mental health as artists, as creatives, we have to accept that we are deep feeling people, a lot of us empaths, um, a lot of us on the spectrum. And so we are easily affected by that no. And that no is coming from us. We don't know what was said in that room. And having sat on the other side of the table so many times now and said, gosh, I really like this individual is so talented and I want to use them, but they just happen to be too tall for the rest of the cast or this thing or that thing, but they were great. Mm -hmm. uh, and we don't know what was said in that room after we left. And we end up putting this terrible amount of pressure on ourselves and, not, and then not devoting ourselves correctly to those calls that we're so right for because now we're vocally fatigued or we just didn't spend the time on it rehearsing just that piece, just that piece, 
so that we're ready because no, we knew we had to go in and sing Meadowlark at this call that you're a maybe for. Um, <laughs> so I, I've really learned to police myself over that. And that was part of the burnout that I experienced in New York was trying to push myself to get to all of these things and listening to what other people were telling me at that time to do and thinking that I wasn't enough. Uh, and so grateful for my agent at the time, Nancy Carson, saying, look, sis, you're a character actress and your time is going to come when you are in your 30s. And she was not wrong. Not wrong. Uh, she was so not wrong. So um, yeah, I think people burn themselves out and uh, it's just this, yeah, awful culture that's been created. And I'm sorry to hear that it's coming from college programs. Um, and it's coming from a lot of different- Coming from a lot of people because having not graduated from college, yes, I, I still got it too and fell into that and thought, oh, I have to do more. And, and you're, I'm not successful if I'm not going to every single audition. It's crazy and it's detrimental. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So you went through something. I think this also, this conversation helps because then life happens on top of us creating. And I think you experienced something that was life altering and that you needed to um, heal from. Yeah. And while you were working and attempting to take your career in, a, in the next step. So I want to know about your experience as an artist who was battling cancer without uncovering anything that's harmful to you or triggering in any way. Um, I would love to know your story and I would love to understand what you learned out of that experience and how it might've affected the rest of your life and your approach to art. Totally. Um, I'm a very open book about uh, my cancer experience and I uh, I'm an open book in general. If I choose not to share something, ain't nobody know about it. But this is one of those things that uh, I decided early on I was going to be really transparent about, uh, in part to document it on Facebook so when the memories popped up, it was something to remember uh, because chemo brain is a thing. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, also because um, I guess you give what you need. It was one of those. Um, and I, I'm so grateful that whatever inside me said, just share what you can tell it all, um, and be open with people when they ask. Uh, 
because the feedback from that has been exactly what I didn't know I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so in early August of 2018, I was diagnosed with HER2 positive invasive ductal carcinoma, which is breast cancer. I had a lump in my right breast. Um, for a long time, I was told because of your age, it's not breast cancer. Uh, to have that turn into, because of your age, you have all of these wonderful benefits available to you that you have breast cancer at this age. Um, And because it's October, let me just say, the rule is feel it on the first. Men and women, doesn't matter how you identify, everyone can get breast cancer. You can get this cancer. Um, So feel yourself on the first. Mine was the most common form of breast cancer. It's in the duct. Um, and I had felt something growing and knew that something was growing and could not get a mammogram. I would walk into the hospital and, hi, I see you get free mammograms. And, oh, no, you need to go through all this process because of age and this and that. Um, so I, I've been very grateful for some wonderful organizations that have really fought back against that and that I've helped to fight back against that. If someone comes in and has a problem, help ease their mind mm-hmm. um, or find out what the problem is. Uh, so I kept the diagnosis to myself for a little bit. I knew what I was going to hear. I absolutely knew what I was going to hear. I just wanted to get to that place where I knew what I was dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even too, after they tell you, this is what we're dealing with, you still have to go through the full body scans and the this and the that and making sure it's not anywhere else, right? Uh, but I kept it to myself and just told my inner circle at first because I wasn't afraid of the disease. I was afraid of the unknowns. And here I had spent the better part of a year creating Winnie's Rock Cauldron Cabaret, investing the money into it, investing the time. And now we had contracts signed and I didn't cry when they told me I had cancer. I cried when I said, I have contracts signed and people on my payroll. (laughs) And I really don't want to drop any of that. Um, but when I decided to, to go public with it and, uh, it was just an immediately, uh, folks embraced it mm-hmm. and, and wanted to know more. Um, and so it was really helpful as well to have the people sending messages or commenting and it's, it's all helpful. Um, even though you may not have the capacity to respond to it, I was in Ohio doing my treatment so that I was home and close to family and an hour away from Cleveland Clinic, because as I joke, if you're gonna have cancer, be near Cleveland Clinic. Um, <laughs> everyone goes there. So um, I, I shared a lot. Uh, I would share me sitting in a hospital bed with my port and drips attached to me. And I showed how swollen my chest was and the bandages. And I didn't show it, but I recorded a lot of, of other things that, that I didn't post, but I was really transparent and I was especially transparent um, after shows because I know that people saw this woman on stage just doing her thing and people were still wowing over how, um, how, how it's hard for me to say this sometimes, how good I am at Winifred. Mm-hmm. Um, but to stop them for a moment and say, this is what I'm dealing with and I couldn't do it without the people who are on stage with me helping me make it happen, but this is what I'm dealing with and I'm telling you this because you're capable. 
whatever's eating you, whatever's troubling you, whether it's chronic disease, whether it's mental illness, whatever it is that is your thing, your baggage, we all got baggage, right? Mm. Uh, pack it into a carry-on and get on the fucking plane. Uh, and and it just kind of, that show and and the disease itself and fighting the disease became kind of like the fight song in itself. I, I didn't realize I sort of accidentally wrote this show as a fight song. Wow. <laughs> and, but it, it really was great to kind of stop, you know, and, and not to really say, there were times when I felt like I was being like, hey, I have cancer, feel bad for me, but it wasn't what I was trying to convey. I was trying to say, you can do this, whatever it is. If I can get my ass on this stage after puking my guts out three states away this morning, you can handle and do whatever stands in your way. How do you whatever think? you think stands in your way. It's incredible. How do you think, um, did it affect this experience and now that outlook into your art? If, did it affect your why? why you do certain things or why you approach your audience like how do you did and if not then it didn't but do you because i i love talking about the why and why we do what we do because i had COVID in march of 2020 i'm a long hauler i'm dealing with a lot of different stuff right i'm very similar to you in regards to i know i need to go get seen at the hospital right now, but I also have this, 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 and a lot of people relying on me. I should take care of myself, but also I have this deadline. Um, yeah. So that's relatable. And, yes. um, but what I've noticed throughout the pandemic was that my why changed. My why changed to uh, a more global perspective. It changed um, in the way that I deal with things. And I just want to know if, if that, if you experience that as well? I, yes. Um, I, I definitely realized, you know, what I really wanted to be working on. Uh, I think some of the why for me actually having uh, burlesque as an outlet was really beautiful because I come from a school of thought that it's about uh, telling a story, mm -hmm. not just how quick or slow can I get down to nothing. Uh, and, and so I had a lot of really beautiful opportunities to release that and coming to Orlando often to help with an organization down here known as the Barber Fund, which I used to volunteer with and now was suddenly a recipient from wow. and uh, being an advocate for them as well. And then now I, I am also three years running, thanks to COVID, uh, Miss Lady Comedy Queen, which is uh, an organization that uh, funds into the Barber Fund. So advocating that way as well for them. But I found, uh, I found a lot of the why in creating um, ways to share my story through burlesque. Uh, post, oh, going post COVID or post chemo straight into COVID was just rude. Um, and, I, I felt no bads at all for anybody that was upset about wearing a mask. I had been doing it for a year. I did it before it was cool. Um, and, and I sympathized with folks who were really struggling with quarantine and really struggling with the isolation and having no one around. Uh, I identified with it. Um, but I also kind of sat back on it because I knew what was going to come of it for a lot of artists. 
down here in Orlando, a lot of people's why changed when they were furloughed and they put their heads together and now we have so many more independent companies and groups of artists that have decided even if the job comes back i don't want that corporate gig anymore i want to be doing this um part of the why that has changed for me is pretty recent um i i'm i struggle to uh let go of things who doesn't right um but I had not done a book musical in seven years. <laughs> and the last time was Sweeney Todd and I was Joanna, the like one ingenue role on my <laughs> <laughs> I was Joanna in my early thirties. Hilarious. I love it. Um, and I just, gosh, I miss the meat and potatoes of a book musical yeah. and it's easy to kind of not realize you're not doing that when you're working so much we have orlando international fringe festival down here which is very satisfying for us artists we have uh just a huge community of artistic opportunities whatever you want to do girl you can find it in orlando i promise and you if have, it's not here create it you have mad cow we have mad cow we have orlando shakes if I may, since because of the time this is in, I am going to say that I stand with the um, do not work and do not participate ban with Mad Cow Theater. Is something happening uh, down there? And I did yeah, there, I look up the articles, um, there, but there is a lot going on there. There's a lot going on there um, with um, folks that didn't get paid, Yikes. paid years late, um, inclusivity. Um, there, there, it's a multi-layered issue i've never worked for them uh but i i did see some shows there uh long ago didn't even know what was going on and so unfortunately wow. that's a problem that spans back uh years yeah. years and but artists in this area are working hard and uh trying to make the change and trying to see to it that um they're going to receive funding and then they're going to adhere to certain things that need to change Good. certain things that need to happen Good. Um, it happens it's everywhere it's, it's everywhere. Just, not just New York. It's not it's, just LA. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's a problem everywhere. And, you know, when you're dealing with systemic problems, it is what it is. And, and sometimes that's hard to break. And sometimes it takes an army. Uh, mm -hmm. And there are an army of artists down here that are really fighting for the next progression to happen, for the next level of changes that need to happen down here that are happening down here but in this particular instance with this particular facility we need to see some change Love we it. need to see some change yeah uh so yeah for me getting back into uh actual book work with musicals and the opportunity came along recently with fun home mm. and uh i i didn't know my type anymore that was one of the things coming out of Cancer, I'm a completely different human. I'm two years out of chemo and I still feel like I'm looking at a stranger in the mirror. Uh, and that's difficult, you know, that those, those are the parts, you know, when your body doesn't work the same way. Mm -hmm. um, when you can feel that you can get your strength back and you can get that kick or that this or that whatever, you know that you're capable of getting there, but it's just going to take you longer than it used to. 
uh, I, I mean, I still have connection issues with my vocal cords and mm -hmm. keeping my water nearby because I just dry out so much faster than I used to and little things. Um, so, and every little pain you think, oh God, it's cancer, it's back. Uh, but coming out of cancer, I had no idea what my type was. I had no idea. And I'm still not fully sure, uh, but I was given the opportunity to be seen for Alison Bechtel in Fun Home and uh, got the request as I'm sitting behind the table casting more sisters for Winnie's Rock Cauldron Cabaret. And I knew that uh, with the rehearsal schedule for both, it was gonna be crazy for me. Uh, and it, it was gonna be a really tight fall, a very tight scheduled fall uh, and exhaustion. Exhaustion is something else that I deal with. And so that was a concern. Um, I, I just still felt like I needed to say yes to uh, the opportunity. And that was another situation where I went into that audition and just felt like, yes, I know why I'm here and, and I know I'm right for this and I may not be what they want, but I know I'm right for this role. And I'm so grateful that I was right for the role. Uh, playing Alice and Bechtel was, you know, one of those moments where you just realize the universe is conspiring in your favor. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just the most beautiful team, uh, our production team, our, our, our cast, our band, everyone. Everyone wanted to be there. Everybody felt a connection to that story. Uh, everybody found it relatable, which just makes it that much easier for us to give to our audiences what we want to give and tell the story that way. Uh, I, God bless Beth Malone. That she, she, I, I'm so grateful I got to see her and I was at the Tony Awards that year when they won and just a cool full circle moment for me. So we actually just closed on October 3rd and I, I'm still in show blues, Michael. I it still got my show more. blues. Yes. Oh gosh. Yes. But yeah, the why, the why kind of changed for me in that I, I needed to get back into theater and I felt like I was there because I'm always creating. Uh, and, and it's, it's this burlesque number or it's that little side hustle or it's this wig that I'm designing for somebody. I felt fulfilled because there's all these little pieces. Uh, but I wasn't really getting what I needed and what I knew I needed to come back to. And that was my roots. And I knew I was back where I needed to be when I left our first rehearsal. We had our read through. We started learning uh, the opening song and the finale song. And I left with that like exhaustion that you can feel behind your eyes. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. And for the first time in years, I felt like myself. And for someone who, as I said, I look in the mirror and I have no idea who I am sometimes. That was, there's no word for it. It was exactly what I needed. And, and so it was a change to realize it's time to fill some other cups. I need to fill cups that I've not filled in a really long time because I was making others happy and making others happy made me happy. And being part of this team that I had always wanted to reach and being part of this company that I'd always wanted to be um, a member of, I had done that. Uh, and then I get stuck on, well, I'm, I'm disloyal if I leave. Um, and, and it's not to put yourself first.
and it's disloyal to yourself. It's disloyal to yourself. It's completely disloyal to yourself. And I was at times disloyal to myself, definitely through cancer. Um, But here and again, uh, the art was the why through that. Had I not had performance opportunities that were either given to me or that I created for myself, I would not have gone through that one year detour anywhere near as well as I did. I had things to focus on. Even when I couldn't move, um, I I had things that I could hope for and know were coming. Um, Now, chemo brain made some wonderful mistakes come my way. (laughs) Uh, I I still find every once in a while, oh, I don't remember that happening (laughs) or oh, that little moment that that went down. Chemo brain's a thing. And and I'm finding from people that have gone through COVID that that brain fog, it's super similar. And and my heart goes out to you because I know, and, and the exhaustion, the just like, I'm a nap champion. Nothing like a disco nap, man. Give me 20 minutes, I'm a whole new person. Before COVID, I was not a nap queen. And now I'm literally like, Good night. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, good night, everyone. See you in like an hour. Do you, yes. I'm probably going to nap when we get off of here. <laughs> no, I know. It's true. I think I'm going to as well. My cognitive, I like, <laughs> um, <laughs> I have to say, like, sometimes I'll be like, so sorry. Explain that one more time. Like, I just need, I just need to hear it one more time. Yes. Got it. I have to yes. read emails over and over again. Um, I don't respond to texts as fast as I used to because I didn't retain the information as fast as I used to. Correct. So I will leave a text message unread so that way I know that I can respond to it when I could yes. really be like, what do they want from me? Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also I'm really, really, really busy right now. So like there's a mixture of like, cause like literally I'm getting my book out. Uh, I just got my, my um, uh, feedback from my manuscript reviewer and I have from now until November 1st to get the final draft done. Then it goes into production. So six to 11 in the morning, I'm writing 12 to three. I'm in the studio shooting headshots and then three on, I go down to the green room 42 to the, to the space. So that's what my day looks like. So there's a lot going on anyway, but with the COVID long hauler stuff, I want to make sure that what I am committing myself to is done in the appropriate way. So now the boundary that I put on myself is to make sure that when I'm responding, I am responding with the appropriate time involved so I don't make any mistakes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's important. And I still have cognitive issues. Um, They've greatly improved over the past six months. Uh, but even still, uh, sometimes I, it, it happened the other night. I was staring at my friend who I had just been talking to and someone came and asked me her name. Mm. And I was like, oh, I, uh, 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 oh my gosh, like seriously? Or someone will ask me someone's name and they have to show me a photo. And I'm like, oh yes, of course I know them. And this is how we know each other. Um, now, I look like an ass when choreography songs and scripts stick like in a steel trap, but this is who I am and what I do. And the same was true with, with Rock Cauldron. You know, I yeah. knew that show so well. And you just, some things do stick. But yeah, you, you have to kind of um, 
adjust. You really have to, not kind of, you absolutely have to adjust for this new normal. Um, and the new normal is that there's never gonna be a new normal. It's constantly going to change. Yes. Now add into that if you're neurodivergent at all with this brain fog, it, myself, I'm ADHD. So it's, it's like an extra layer of fun for the people involved, not me. Um, but yeah, I, I will leave things that I, I I'm not going to read this. Um, or I'll tell people like, I'm sorry to put this on you, but don't be afraid to like message me a couple of times. If you don't hear from me, I might've just missed it. All the lists in the world don't help. Uh, as quickly as I say to myself, I got to do this thing and go to write it down. It's gone. Uh, and that's just the toxic poison that was dumped in my body. That's just the way that this COVID got you. Uh, and, and there's, there's just adaptions you have to do. Is adaptions a word? Um, okay. Adaptions. Adaptions. The, the biggest thing that I, I'm more, much more concise in how to contact me. So like, yeah, I, I used to be more lenient about like someone emailing me about a photo gig through my other email address that isn't photos. Right. Um, and so, but now I'm like, nope, this has to be organized in order. Like, do not text me about this you must email me about this. Do not yes. email me about this. This must be through text because this is going to get, there's so much. Anyway, we have to wrap up and I don't want to, ah! but I do want to know what the audience should look forward to on October 31st, 7 and 9.30 PM at the Green Room 42. Well, as it turns out from this conversation, as I have learned, you will see me doing burlesque. So that's Can't great. wait. Can't wait. <laughs> I'm excited about that too. Um, we don't have much of a through line with this. What's important to us is the music. It's just kind of best to roll with it. Uh, and we're, we're trying on a little bit of something new this season with the idea that the girls are singing at a really lousy club in purgatory. Uh, but yeah, we're going to see how that goes. Uh, and the black flame candle gets lit and they go back. So we'll see how that goes if I keep it. I'm very picky. The way that I'm I'm trying to push the Green Room 42 is to try something new. Is yeah. so try it out in the space. You're gonna have an a supportive audience, and I think everyone in that audience is just gonna be happy to see you and see you work your magic and see you, an artist who has healed from uh, a terrible disease and and a pandemic, and someone that has been trusted by the, one of the biggest corporation in the world to carry on the legacy of this role. I think that the audience and the people that are going to be in that room, myself included, are just excited. Thank you. I, I'm excited and expect lots of cover songs. Uh, I mean, we've got everything from Pat Benatar to Eartha Kitt to Lady Gaga. It's all over the place. Uh, if it's a song that, okay, my dog's about to start barking. So <laughs> sorry, we're going to bring Freddie Mutkiri into the screen so that he doesn't freak out. Tripod triumphant right here. Freddie Mercury. Um, Mercury. I'm a bit of a Queen fan. Uh, so uh, just come ready to have a good time because we are going to have a good time. Uh, don't take it too seriously and don't come expecting the movie. Uh, we, we don't replicate what uh, Hocus Pocus is. Uh, we give you the characters and then from there it's music that I really thought I could make work for them. Uh, and one of my favorites is from Disen is it Disenchanted, Evil Like Me that Kristen Chenoweth does. Mm -hmm. Such a Sanderson sister song. 
we do Shadows of the Night. Come on. Of course, that's the Sanderson sisters. Uh, and I actually wrote a couple of mashups that uh, I wasn't sure how they were going to be received. Just almost kind of a couple of serious down-to-earth moments with the sisters and people really enjoy it. So I, I, I'm super grateful. So you may hear a little uninvited Alanis Morissette and uh, Sierra's cover of Paint It Black. And the other song in that mashup is uh, the Rihanna song, Sledgehammer. Her version of that song. Yes, super fierce song, which is one of those moments where I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I was writing my cancer fight song when I wrote the show. You know, it just, uh, I can't get over it. I can't wait to come back to New York. Um, gosh, what is that line from, I hit a wall I th I, and I thought I was done, is what she's saying. I, I, my back was against the wall and all I could do was come out clawing. And uh, that's, how, that's how I got through cancer. That's how Winnie's Rock Cauldron Cabaret came to be. Um, that's how I have continued to grow as an artist, as strange as it is to say. Uh, and in a lot of ways, cancer was a cool part of my awakening and an interesting gift. Uh, it forced it me to put into focus what really matters and what's really gonna matter to me as an artist moving forward it was given to you so how are you gonna yes. how are you gonna hang it on the wall how are you gonna put it on the shelf how are you gonna you know it's i'm gonna decorate it man how are you gonna decorate I'm gonna do it? it all right so we'll before... also say if i can really quick I'm go so for sorry. it please no so i'm really excited that our meet and greet is going to uh help to fund and support young survivors coalition <laughs> uh i have decided i am going to finally do it and get over myself and get out of my head and release my recording of I Put a Spell on You this year. Uh, and I, I, I'm not super tech savvy, so please bear with, I'm going to get this all set up and the money from that is going to go to, again, the Young, Survivors, Young Survivor, Survivor Coalition. That's one of my other post-chemo issues <laughs> is I sometimes get stuck on words or my jaw locks up or my brain, it just, Neuro issues, neurological issues, so weird. But anyway, I'm going to release, and I recorded that song in New York in, uh, I can't remember her name right now, but in her closet. And I had just been diagnosed and I was the, like one of the only people that knew. I hadn't shared it with anybody. And I was taking a friend to see Hello Dolly before it closed uh, for like a third time. And, and I recorded, I put a spell on you. And I came across that recently and was like, my gosh, like talk about being a completely different human. I, I don't even know who that woman is that sang that song. I know she was terrified, but ready. I was ready. I really felt ready mm -hmm. to go into everything that was about to be asked of me. And listening to that song that I could sing in my sleep, I just thought, yeah, you know what? I, I'm going to release this because I, I don't, I'm not that person anymore, but I remember how she felt. And uh, let's, let's help an organization right now while we can, because charities are suffering. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, know where your money goes. Please always know where your money goes. Uh, it's especially important, as I found with breast cancer organizations, just because it's pink doesn't mean the money is going to a worthwhile cause. Uh, but I am excited to release I Put a Spell on You this year. And uh, people can officially stop asking me for that. <laughs> Where can we find you on social media? 
You can find me on Instagram. My name, Jenica McCleary. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, you're going to want to find the divine Miss M poster. A uh, little nod to my imposter syndrome. Thank you very much. I know you love that. Love Jenica that. McCleary, the divine Miss M poster. Don't go searching for my private personal page. It's not going to give you what you're looking for. Uh, but mostly I am on Instagram. Maybe one of these days I'll drop my walker and get on TikTok. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm on there and I learn a lot, but it's it's just so much. It is. Uh, and also on YouTube, I... Uh, have quite a bit of content on there. I did a Winifred Wednesday series where I read some children's books and uh, I'll be doing some more of that coming up soon. I mean, we've got a new movie coming out, Michael. I was going to say, if you can, in one sentence, say your excitement, or not excitement, just your opinion, your insight on Hocus Pocus 2, what would that be? In a word, I think it's going to be overworked because there's going to be a lot of expectations yeah. that are going to, but here and again, I, I, there's only so much I'll be able to prepare for. Um, it's great that we're seeing photos of the sets and all of that. I have to assume that while they may do some secondary looks for the sisters, that they are going to be in the traditional costumes. Um, I would, I would think. And I, also, I heard rumors that we're going to learn about like Winifred's wedding. Yeah, I'm super excited and curious to see if we get to learn any backstory. I think we will. At all. I would love to. Um, I think we're going to get. If they I, need a young Winifred, you know. I, but literally. <laughs> um, Disney, like, where, like, hello. Like, where's, where's Kenny Ortega? He yeah. once said I was a wonderful showman. <laughs> uh, Fierce, top of the website. For you. Top, top of the website. <laughs> Jenna McCleary, Jenica Mc, oh my God. Jenica Mc, there we go. I, 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 I know, I understand. I feel your pain. I feel your pain. Diction is done with the tip of the tongue and the teeth. Um, <laughs> you're the best. Thank you for being on this episode on, on this show. And I cannot wait to have you in the city at the Green Room 42 doing Winnie's Rock Cauldron Cabaret, October 31st, 7 and 9.30 p.m. It is just going to be a gas, and I will see you so soon. I can't wait. I can't wait to finally see the whites of your eyes after all of these years. <laughs> so much love to you. Same. Right back at you. I am very excited. Thank you for thinking of us for Halloween. We're, we're so stoked. We cannot wait. So are we. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. 
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.